And then he is responsible for 77% after that $800. So she pays 23% of unreimbursed medical after $800 and $9 a week in child support. Oh my gosh. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 175 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Yes, welcome. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) We're laughing because I did seven or eight welcomes. Yes, I saved you people. David didn't like them. Yeah, well, when the red lines max out on my little monitor thing over here. Well, your little monitor thing shouldn't be picking me up. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, then you need to cut your volume down. Tell me what to do. I'm telling you what to do. Okay. Now that we've got that out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) So, this episode is airing. On October the 7th. October the 1st was such a sad day in Lancaster County, South Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, I know where this is going. (laughs) There was no tomato throwing. There was a hurricane. That is no excuse. (laughs) I think it's a pretty good excuse. But folks, don't give up on me. I have some tomatoes hidden. Hmm. That I've been letting get really soft. And I will throw them at David. Mm-mm. I've seen you throw. I am not worried. Oh, I'm not going to be at a distance, David. I've seen you throw close up. I'm not worried. <laughs> <laughs> you better be worried, David Sims. <laughs> That's okay. You can throw them. Okay. Just don't get mad at me about what might happen in return. Uh, that's not fair. <laughs> uh, why not? Cause. Okay. So, tomorrow, folks, in Santa Barbara, California, is the Stepmom Collective. It's not too late to check it out. I think they may have a virtual option if you cannot show up in person. So go to nachokids.com slash the stepmom collective CA 2022. Cool. All right. All right. So what else we got going on? I don't even know. We've released a few new blogs. Go check them out at nachokids.com slash blog. Blog. <laughs> That's how you say it. There's blog. no A. There's no A at the end. Of okay, blog. <laughs> Maybe we should put one <laughs> for those that are like you and put A at the end of words. No, I blog, don't. Blog. Uh. Remember when the kids went through that and everything they would say would have an uh on the end? It mm-hmm. was like, come here. No, uh. <laughs> no, uh. I'm like. Stop, uh. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And Jackson's girlfriend does it too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sweet little sassy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, our guest today, folks, 
Our guest today is stepmom Hayes. Hey, Hayes. Hey, Hayes. <laughs> no, hey, Hayes. <laughs> How you doing? She's been with her husband for four years, married two and a half, but she also grew up in a blended family. Oh, so she had all this figured out. Mm-hmm. Her husband was just awarded primary custody mm. to six-year-old stepdaughter because of her medical condition not being properly managed by Biomom. Mm. It's a very interesting story. Very interesting. So she's got two stepdaughters. And the stepdaughters are eight and six. The six-year-old is the one with the medical condition. And she has a bio daughter that's 22. Yes, a bio daughter that's 22 and stepdaughters that are eight and six. Ooh. She has two grandkids and one on the way from bio daughter. Congratulations. Hardest part of her blending? Dealing with bio mom being insane. <laughs> <laughs> Being insane. Is this is this diagnosed by her? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm pretty good about diagnosing insanity as well. Yeah, a lot of people in our Facebook groups are good at diagnosing people as being narcissist. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you can almost apply that to most people. Narcissist? Yeah. These days it's it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. <laughs> yeah. Her best advice? Is it's not for everybody. No, nothing is. Nope. Like broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) Broccoli might not be for everybody, but broccoli with cheese is. (laughs) That takes the flavor of the broccoli away. Just add some cheese. Mm -hmm. We talk about the guardian ad litem in this episode. And I'm sure there are some guardian ad litems out there that are just awesome. But there's... This ain't one of them. (laughs) Yeah. The question about this guardian ad litem is, what did she even do? Hmm. Sounds like the one I had, huh? Yeah. And there's that. Yeah. Again, we know many guardian ad litems that fall into the category of, why are you even doing this? We know some that have befriended one of the parties. That's not fair. That's not their job. Mm -hmm. But like I said, there's probably a few good ones out there. If you're a good guardian ad litem and would like to be on this (laughs) podcast, please reach out to Lori, L-O-R-I, at nachokids.com. Do you think most of them feel that way, though? Most what? Guardian items feel that way about themselves? Yeah. Well, because, of, because they're narcissists. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I. T- I don't know if I told you about this, David. But I actually looked into being a guardian ad litem. Did you? I did. And there is a place locally that I could have taken a one day class to become a guardian ad litem. That's all it takes. Yes. Okay. And. I decided against it. Yeah, because you'd be telling people off. 
No, because then I'd have to get dressed up and go to court. <laughs> <laughs> but then you could wear your flu vogs. Oh, yes, I could wear my flu vogs. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Let me look back into that. Actually, um, I had looked into it, and then COVID happened and all that happy stuff. But oh, um, so it was recently then. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Might yeah. look back into it at one point in my life, but. No, because the, the attorney will, will bring uh, your podcast into the court <laughs> and say, see, Your Honor, she's, she's got biased something. against guardian ad litem. Yeah, I know. She's biased against the entire court system. <laughs> oh, that is she, true. She says so in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. That's okay. I'll just change my name. Yeah. Well, you could start another podcast, you know, like overhaulfamilycourt.com or something. Oh, I like that, David. Because, you know, my passion is step families, of course. Mm-hmm. But within that, my passion is the family court system sucking. Yeah, but that's, man, that's like a whole new venture. Yes. And what's funny is I know a girl that was a paralegal in a neighboring city. And she's no longer a paralegal. And we were talking about this. And I said, why don't you be a guest on my podcast? She said, you don't understand how deep those tunnels run. I'm sure. I said, what do you mean? She said, I honest to God would be in fear for my life. I'm like, what? This ain't Pittsburgh or wherever. (laughs) Or Philadelphia, (laughs) wherever it is that the mafia mafia lives. The mafia. The mafia lives. (laughs) In Chicago. She said, you don't understand, girl. You just don't understand. Wow. That's kind of scary. Yeah, because we're talking about a little podunk town. Mm. So, if it's that bad and podunk, blank, blank. Yeah, where the mafia lives. Yeah, where the mafia lives and podunk. <laughs> then just imagine what it's like in the big cities. Yeah, where the mafia lives. <laughs> yeah, there is a... Judge that's on TikTok that someone made me aware of that I'm going to try to get him to be a guest on our podcast. Does he dance? I don't know. Probably not. Not everybody dances on TikTok. Well, that's just the prevailing thought. Well, you're going to be dancing when I throw those tomatoes at you, boy. (laughs) Okay. Yep. So for those of you that don't know, Nacho Kids is on TikTok. Don't laugh at me too much. It might hurt my little feelings. But I really do not enjoy doing those things for the world to see. I don't even like taking pictures. But I do it for you. I do it for every step parent out there. And that's what I have to tell myself every time. Yep. She ain't lying, y'all. She has to work up to it. Uh, yeah. But... I'll get better at it. Hopefully before TikTok is replaced by some other new social media form. Mm-hmm. I better hurry up. <laughs> yeah, be flip flip flop be next. Flip flop. Oh yeah, create that one, David. <laughs> no. <laughs> Flipflop.com. Okay. That's enough for me. David, yeah. you got anything you'd like to say? No, I I agree. That's enough from you. Let's go on. Oh, hush your mouth and call you David. <laughs> All right, but before we listen, I want to remind everybody to go check out the Nacho Kids Academy. 
The Nacho Kids Academy is where you can learn how to nacho properly. There are courses, there's challenges, there's a community of people there to help you, and we're there. That's right. So go check it out, nachokidsacademy.com. Stop suffering in your blend, people. Join the Academy, do the work, and learn to be happy. Yep. I got a challenge for you. Just, Just join it for a month. Just one month. If it's not worth it, then go away. Oh, t- t- David. If it's not worth it, then you can cancel. But just try it for a month. And and if it's not us, try somebody else. But please don't just suffer. That's right. Find somebody, some program, some counselor, therapist, whatever. Find something. You, life's too short to be living in misery, y'all. Yep. <laughs> Get some help. And if you want to know what's in the Academy, I'll briefly tell you. There are over 20 video courses. There's an anonymous community that you can be a part of with other members. There's three different month-long challenges. One is the Nacho Kids Boot Camp Challenge. One is the Change Your Stinking Thinking Challenge. And one is the Self-Care Challenge. And we also have Q&A calls with me and David. And I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but there you go. That's mainly what's in it. Mm -hmm. Let's go check it out. You got nothing to lose. Nothing except, to lose. Except all that stress. That's right. All right, let's get to listening. Okay. Today we have Stepmom Hayes. Hey, Stepmom Hayes, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. You sound like you're from the South. I am. I'm from, I'm originally from Kentucky. So we got that accent. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> right. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly it. Yep. You know, I'm just picking because everybody picks on my accent, so I can't help it. Oh, all the time. Yeah. it's And you will occasionally hear, like, I, I have the accent, but I talk fast. And that's kind of a product of me being raised by a smart mouth redneck and <laughs> an East Coast asshole. Like, that's kind of where that, that's, I, I have the best of both. So I will talk fast and, and bless your heart. <laughs> that's kind of how we do. There you go. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about your blend. So I have been married to my husband for two and a half years. We actually got married uh, seven months to the day we met. I know that's insane. People think that that's crazy. Yes. I know people think that's crazy. I knew the night I met that man that I was going to marry him. I I just did. We, our first date, we just went out for like drinks and an appetizer. And, and then it was, we were standing outside talking and it was freezing cold. And I was like, okay, well, if we're going to keep talking, we got to go sit in this car because it's cold out here. And yeah, we then sat in the car outside the restaurant for the next nine hours just talking. Nine hours? I'm not kidding. Yes. Not yeah. Wow. And I was like, yep, I'm 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 gonna marry this man. I hear you, girl. Uh yes, he and he's so he's so cute. I just love him. Oh. I had I had never been married before, but of course we're both older now and you know, we're we're not we're not kids anymore. So, I mean, we, we kind of both knew almost immediately, like this is, this was serious. He has two little girls who are now six and eight. And I, I just love my bonus babies. They are, they're, they're just, they're such sweet girls. I also have an older daughter, bio daughter. She's 22. So by the time my husband and I actually met and started dating, my daughter was married out of the house and living 2,300 miles away with my son-in-law who's in the air force. So they were high school sweethearts. They got married five days after she turned 18. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh yeah. It was, it was a little bit crazy with that one because they started dating when she, when my daughter was 14 
And my mom, I think they'd been, they, and I say dating with air quotes because she wasn't allowed to date till she was 16. Mm-hmm. So that boy was allowed to come over and sit on my couch and right. watch my TV for two years. But for the first, like, it was like two weeks into them dating, my mom said, my mom said, you know, she's going to marry that boy, right? I said, I, calm down. The, we are not in Kentucky anymore, ma'am. Uh, nobody's getting married. At, nobody's getting married at 14. Let's all just take a deep breath. She said, I'm not kidding. She's going to marry that boy. And sure enough, all through, you know, they dated all through high school. He, he actually, he was a year ahead of her in school. He left for basic training and they were, they dated long distance for a year uh, and then got married five days after she turned 18. And they now have our two grandbabies who are almost two and the little one will be a year old in December and they are pregnant with number three, but that one's not Facebook official yet. Yeah. That one's no, number three is not Facebook official yet. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So shh, y'all don't tell anybody. <laughs> right. Shh, y'all keep that a secret now. That's awesome. Yeah, they will have three under three. And when they told my husband and I, my husband said, for God's sake, y'all just stay off each other for a little <laughs> while. And <laughs> as, as much as we love the grandbabies. Yes. Y'all stay, y'all stay off each other for just a little while. Three under three is a lot. Mm-hmm. So when I met my husband, you know, I mean, my daughter was like married out of the house. I'm single, like I'm no kids, no plans to have any more kids. And then here comes my husband and these, and these babies and they got me. All right. So let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. How did you meet this man? Oh, we met online. (laughs) Isn't that the only way you meet people now? Well, it's funny because David and I met that way and I hate telling people that. But oh, it's, I do too. it's a long story because people at work were saying, oh, you need to do this thing online for dating, you know, because I had Jackson all the time, basically, except every other mm-hmm. weekend. And I said, no. Well, Jackson was going to his dad's for a month in June, a month in July, a month in August. Mm-hmm. And I noticed these people sneaking around my desk. And I said, what are y'all doing? Nothing, nothing. And one lady came to me. She said, they're creating a profile for you. I said, oh, no, they're not. So I went over there. I said, fine, I'll do it for one week. If y'all will leave me alone, I will do this for one week. And I met David. Oh, my. I had been, like, kind of casually dating. Like, just, you know, I'd met a few people online. A few people I I didn't even meet because I was like, oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah. No, y'all are, y'all are real creepy and this isn't for me. Also, you know, just being a little bit older, you know, I was like, well, no, this, you know, I I know what I want. I'm not, I'm not going to settle. And, and as soon as I met my husband, I was like, oh no, that was mine. That's nope. Dibs. (laughs) Yeah. I I had to hurry up and snatch him, you know, before somebody else found out how adorable he is. Yeah. But no, the, the girls are, they, they were so excited when we, uh, when we got married and, they're such sweet kids. They're such good girls. So was he married before? He was, yes. Okay. He was married for, I think it was seven years. They were, no, they weren't married for seven years. They actually were together for seven years before they got married. And then they were married, I think, for four years, three years. They were married for three years. So yeah, I think that kind of, I, I think that that was where it kind of got off on a on a bad foot with her. 
where they, you know, they had dated for seven years before they finally got married. And then we, we were only dated seven months before we got married. So yeah, I don't think she, <laughs> she didn't love that. Of course not. She, she didn't love that. Well, how long had they been divorced or split up when y'all met? I think it was like 18 months. Okay. Something like that. They, they hadn't been, they had been separated for 18 months. I think they'd been officially divorced for about 15 months, 14, okay. 15 months, something like that. But yeah, no, she, she didn't appreciate that. And I think at one point it was, it was probably right after we got married. My husband said something to me to the effect of why does she hate you so much? Well, I don't understand why she hates you so much. And I said, really? You, you don't, you don't understand that. You don't understand why she, you, you don't understand why she'd feel like that. And he's like, no, I said, okay, I'll, I'll explain it to you. I have everything that she wants. I have an amazing husband. You know, we own a nice home. We both own nice vehicles. We're not playing bill roulette, mm-hmm. you know, with, well, do I pay the electric bill this month or do I pay the water bill this month? Or, you know, right. we're, we're, we're fine. We're stable. We're, we're happy. And she sees you who, you know, works very, very hard for our family every single day. And that's what she wants. And she does not have that. But she also is angry that, well, why wasn't he this man when I was married to him? And I said, honey, you've never changed. You have been this same man your entire adult life. The difference now is that you have a partner and not a dependent. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, you and I both work very, very hard for everything that we have and for our family together. You know, we work together as a team. We are a team. You don't have to worry. What well, is she going to quit her job next week? Is she going to have a job next week? How am I going to make this car payment? You know, right. that's, I said, we're, we're a team. And that's what she doesn't understand. You've always been the same hardworking man, but now you have somebody working with you instead of somebody you're working to support. Right. So why do they split up? So it kind of, it was very, I'm trying to think about how to, how to word this. They weren't, they were arguing constantly anyway, but she wanted to buy a new car. And he said, listen, we're not in a position right now to run, to have a car payment. We do not need to have this liability right now. We can't afford this right now. We have two small children Mm -hmm. in daycare and there's no way that we can afford this right now. And she said, well, I'm buying a new car. And he said, well, good luck because your credit is trash and I'm not signing for this. So basically she stopped depositing money in their joint checking account. And I think he ended up bouncing checks for like three different bills. And when he confronted her about it, she said, no, no, you just tell me what my half is and that's what I'll pay. And he said, I'm not living like this. It's, it's time to be done. Wow. And it was, it was actually the home was their, their home was in his name only. He was the the only one on the mortgage there, mm-hmm. even though they were married. And she said, well, fine, I'll, I'll leave. And he said, okay, great, go ahead. And he thought actually that the girls would stay with him because that's the home they were born in, the home they'd always been raised in. That's where they had always lived. And no, she was just allowed to take them. And he said, you're, you're not just going to run out of here with my kids without a place to sleep tonight. That's you can go and stay with a friend. You're not taking the kids. And the sheriff's department said, nope, she can do whatever she wants. Those, those are her children. She can take them. In our state, <laughs> even if you are married, even if you are on the child's birth certificate, if when you separate, 
you have to go to court to establish visitation. It's not automatic in our state. Okay. You have to go to court, establish visitation. That didn't happen for about five weeks. And she actually kept the kids from him for five weeks after that. Okay. I didn't know if that's normal in states or not. In some states, I think that it, it varies state to state. We Mm -hmm. live in a very pro mom state, right? It takes a lot in our state for a mom not to have custody of the kid, full custody Mm -hmm. of the kids, full primary custody with the dad just having visitation. Right. It takes a lot in this state, unfortunately. So by a mom's a little resentful, bitter. Oh, yes. Did you ever have a relationship with her? So I actually did for a little while. So my husband's work schedule got kind of crazy. And there were times where she just was done dealing with the kids, basically. Of course, you know, they're two little girls. They're, you know, they have a lot of energy. She just didn't want to deal with it. So there were a lot of times she would actually just text me. uh, And this was after we were married, before we were married. She didn't even want me coming to like exchanges before that. Mm -hmm. Then we had, we had a court hearing and the judge basically kind of laughed at her and said, that's his wife. This is not a thing. Right. After that, she got a little bit, she got a little bit better for a while. She'd actually text me and ask me, you know, Hey, do you want to come get the kids uh, and keep them for a few days every single time? Absolutely. Yep. I'm on my way. I will come get them. You know, he'll be Mm -hmm. excited to see him when he gets home. And it went that way for a little while. And then the six-year-old was four at the time. Mom decides that she is going to move three and a half hours away from us to go live with her boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. We had, we had a court hearing and unfortunately that judge, it was the same judge who had heard everything prior to that, including the divorce. And she was very pro mom, like just, you know, dad's here to write checks and, and that's it. The judge said, well, you know, you shouldn't be trying to stop her from moving on with her life. Oh my gosh. And my, oh yeah. My husband said, Nobody's stopping her from doing anything. You know, I've I've clearly moved on with my life. I'm remarried. Like I'm 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 married. Yeah, don't know what you're implying there, judgy. Right. Judgy judge judge. <laughs> That's exactly yes. And, and she wasn't even a judge. She was a magistrate. Oh yeah. Don't get me started on that in this mm-hmm. state. She said, "Well, you shouldn't be trying to stop her from living her life." And my husband said, "Nobody's stopping her from doing anything. She is more than welcome to move three and a half hours away and to go live her best life and whatever it is she wants to do." But my six-year-old is in kindergarten. My four-year-old is in preschool. This is the town that they were born and raised in. Have been here their whole lives. You know, I have family not far. My wife's entire family, including her, all of her extended family live within 90 minutes of us. You know, we are, you know, my wife has an enormous family. They're a a good bunch of Catholics. My family are, Mm -hmm. we we got all the people. He said, we have family support here. You know, she can go and, and see what's going to go on with the boyfriend. But my wife and I own a home, you know, the kid is in school. We've, you know, I'm married. This is clearly the more stable environment. I'm not just trying to pick my kids up and run. Right. And the judge was like, no, no, she can go. She can move. Wow. So, yeah, she was allowed to move on January 1st of 2021. Well, for Christmas that year, my husband had the second half of the Christmas break. And on December the 28th, the child who was four at the time, the younger one, was she was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Okay. She'd been kind of acting a little bit off for a little while. 
And I've worked in healthcare for almost 18 years. I don't work in direct patient care, but I've, I've worked in healthcare for a very long time. And I feel like I should have seen this sooner. Mm-hmm. And it was actually in the stepmom group on December the 26th that because it's the largest mom group I'm in, I asked the question, I said, for those of you with children with type one diabetes, how did you know? When did you know? And I'm getting all of these responses from these moms and all of the things they're saying to me, it's just clicking. It's it's all clicking. Yeah. And I told my husband, and of course, unfortunately, the way that Christmas and the weekend and everything else kind of fell, the first day that we could get her into her pediatrician was Monday, the 28th. And uh, I told my husband, I said, you call the doctor's office first thing in the morning on Monday. You tell them you need to be seen immediately. At that point, we didn't realize it was an it was an emergent situation. Mm-hmm. But I said, you need to be seen immediately. I said, you take her there and you tell them you want her tested for this. And you do not leave until they test her for this. I don't care what you have to do right. in that office. You do not leave until they test her for this. They did. And they immediately sent her to the children's hospital to be direct admitted. And she oh, was wow. in the PICU for, yeah, she was in the PICU for two nights. She was in DKA. and. What's that mean? That brought on uh, diabetic ketoacidosis. Okay. Basically, that means her blood sugar has been so high for so long. At that point, it's endangering her life. At that point, it's it's a medical emergency. Wow. Okay. Yes. So while in the hospital, bio mom comes from three hours away where she's been allowed to, you know, she's been moving her stuff up there trying to get ready. And... It's immediately a problem at the hospital where she's refusing to give insulin shots. Every time it's time to give her insulin, she, you know, she looks at my husband and she says, will you do this one? She's with you right now. And the charge nurse, I think she'd been in there for, I think she'd been there for three days and they actually delayed her release about 12 hours because at that point, mom still was refusing to give her an insulin shot. And the charge nurse comes in there and says, this kid ain't leaving here till we know you can do this. So get in here and let's get it done. Right. My husband had spoken. My husband had spoken to to the doctor there who was treating her at the hospital and said, "Please help me. She's going to kill my effing kid with this." And the doctor said, "We're aware that it's a problem. We're trying to work with her right now. Until something happens." There's nothing we can do. Oh my gosh, I hate that phrase. And at that point, I told my husband, I said, I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you have to, I don't care if you have to offer $5,000. I don't care if you have, whatever come to Jesus that you need to have with her, it needs to be had right now. That child is not going home with her. Mm -hmm. She, it's not happening. And thankfully she agreed. And she actually stayed with us for about a month after she was diagnosed just because she was not, she was completely unprepared to, to handle any of that. Mm-hmm. So it was okay for about a month. And the, after her first endocrinologist appointment, you know, she came to pick her up after her appointment. And when she left with that child that day, I had never, I've never had any kind of panic attacks. I've never had anything like that. I had a panic attack when she pulled out of my driveway with that child thinking, dear God, what's going to happen to right. this child? And I, I thought, I thought I was having a heart attack. Like I had, to, I had to call my husband to come home. He was ready to call me an ambulance because he didn't know what was wrong with me. 
mm-hmm. didn't know what was wrong with me, but I, I have never been that scared for any one of my children ever mm-hmm. than I was in that moment. And that, that's a, that's a hard thing to be as a parent where you are, you are more scared for somebody else than you've ever been for yourself yes. in your whole life. That's a very hard thing as a parent. And, and I, I've been, you know, my oldest is 22. I've been in this mom game a long time, more than half my life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a hard place to be, to have to let somebody take that child and, and you know, that something terrible very well could happen. Yeah. I won't say that she was the most attentive mom before all this, but it was nothing that was going to endanger the children. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing that was going to be, you know, dangerous situation for them really. But with this, we have to actively work <laughs> to keep the little one alive. Now it takes work to keep that one alive. And that work is just not happening. We had several incidents of her just not giving insulin. We had several incidents of her not treating low blood sugars. And at two separate times, my husband finally couldn't take it anymore and filed CPS reports. CPS did basically nothing. That Well, if the kid doesn't look sick, she's not sick, right? Right. Yeah. If, uh, you know, well, call us back when her leg falls off. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what, you know, that's, that's kind of how they looked at it. And it's so unbelievably frustrating that, you know, that the child could, could go through all of this, that the entire time it's, I, I feel like my husband and I are kind of like standing on the shore, watching mom drown and praying that she's not going to take this child down with us. And and we're screaming for help and no one will help us. Yeah. That was extremely hard to, you know, to watch this day in and day out and constantly be worried about what's not happening. Yeah. So we filed for a modification of custody in, I think our first filing was in, we actually filed it in July of 2021. And we were supposed to, we had a guardian ad litem who uh, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly she did for $1,500. <laughs> she, yeah. And that was, and, and that actually it was 3000 total. We had to pay 1500 and mom had to come up with the other 1500. Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out what she did for that money at this point still, because she did not contact any of the children's teachers. She didn't speak to the youngest one's doctors. She did not come and look at our home. She didn't speak to me and I'm not saying, I'm not saying, oh, you should have definitely talked to me. But as another adult who is married to their father, who shares a home with them, I I feel like that might be important. You might want to know that I'm, you know, what, what level of crazy am I really? But no, she didn't talk to any of our, any of our references, nothing. And she actually missed two deadlines with her report, one of which was in November and the other one was in January. She missed two deadlines. She finally gave her report the day before we had mediation in February of 22. And her report was basically like, "Hmm, nothing to see here. Both homes seem okay to me, you know, may as well just leave it the way it is. And, And my husband's gave her an entire binder of this is the problem. This is what's going on and nothing. It was nope, nope, nothing to see here. No, she should be fine with mom. No big deal. Right. So 
how did y'all know that she wasn't doing what she was supposed to regarding the medicine and stuff? So she's actually on a, a continuous glucose monitor, a CGM. She's on Dexcom. And I don't know if you saw that Super Bowl commercial with Nick Jonas. No. But that's what Dexcom is. It's a little, a little wearable sensor that you keep on. You change every 10 days. And basically, it will update your blood sugar every five minutes. It will give you a new blood sugar reading. Okay. Okay. I've seen those. And they're, yes, they're amazing. And they're, they're especially great for kids especially in the middle of the night, because before that, basically you're doing a finger stick and checking her blood sugar every three hours. Cause I can't finger stick her all day long. I can't torture her, mm-hmm. but it's so nice to see. You can see trends, you can see patterns, you can see you're, you're getting a whole, the big picture of where she was 10 minutes ago and which direction she's headed versus what it is right there in the moment. So, you know, if, if right there in the moment, if you do a finger stick and her blood sugar is 150, well, I don't know if she's headed up. I don't know if she's headed down. I don't know if she's been steady for however long, but with Dexcom, we can see a trend, you know, we have a whole graph that we can look at to see kind of where she's, where she's at, where she's been, that whole thing. Right. And, and who she was with on those days. Oh, absolutely. We also have an app for her insulin pump and I can see exactly when she was dosed, I can see how many carbs she was dosed for. I can see if she was just dosed for a high blood sugar or anything like that. I can tell how much insulin she currently has on board, which means how much insulin she has currently active working in her body mm-hmm. that based on what we based on the last time she was given insulin. Right. So what we did with with mediation, we took screen, you know, we took all of these screenshots to mediation and showed, you know, hey, here's her Dexcom graph. Here's the a screenshot from her insulin pump. Her blood sugar is high and out of range right now. And she's not being given insulin. This is a problem. Right. So our mediation agreement was very specific and it was very, it, it was geared much more toward the younger, the, the younger of the two kids, just because again, her condition is more is more serious and it does and does require more care. And that's really where we were having the problem was, you know, was care wasn't being given to the younger one. Right. So in our mediation agreement, it says because these had already been issues, basically, because these things had already been issues and we didn't want them to continue to be issues going forward. But in order to get around that guardian ad litem report that was you know, oh, nothing to see here. This is kind of how we did that. Mm-hmm. So in the mediation agreement, basically mom had thrown a fit about wanting to change her endocrinologist. So with the kids being on my insurance, that doctor was out of network for us. So we weren't able to switch. So mom said, well, I'll get them on insurance. So that was point one of the mediation agreement. She was going to be responsible for providing health insurance for them. Mm-hmm. It says each parent shall be responsible to provide for the child's diabetic medical needs while in his or her direct care. This includes monitoring and following the endocrinologist's medical advice and recommendations regarding blood sugar ranges, appropriate insulin administration with regard to her specific needs, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Don't leave prescriptions at the pharmacy for more than seven days. Neither party shall remove recommended medical equipment with the intent to evade documentation, nor shall either party threaten the removal against medical advice. 
we had a big problem with that because mom said that, well, if these devices are going to be used against me, we just won't use them at all. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to put the child's health in danger because you don't like that we can all see what's going on. That's, yeah, that's basically what it was. So, yeah. You know, she wanted to take her off Dexcom and take her off her insulin pump so that we can't see what, so that we basically can't see what's going on. We can't see what her blood sugar is. Mm -hmm. We can't see all these things. Right. We had a big problem with she would just leave her when it was time to replace a Dexcom sensor. It takes two hours for those to warm up. So, I mean, when we change them, we immediately, you know, we take one off, we immediately put a new one on. Mm -hmm. She was leaving them off for hours and hours on end. One night, my husband had the audacity to say, hey, it's been about six hours. You know, what's what's going on? Like, what's the ETA on Dexcom? And she just never responded. And she just waited till the next morning to put one on her. That's so dangerous, isn't it? It is. It is because she had actually, and my husband actually said that to her, said, a week after you called the endocrinologist's office to make insulin adjustments because she was having so many lows in the dangerous lows in the middle of the night, you decide you're just going to leave her Dexcom off overnight. Mm -hmm. Like who, what was that for? You're not hurting me. Right. You're potentially hurting her. You know, this is what if she had had a middle of the night load? Well, I was up doing finger sticks with her. She was fine. Well, great. You know what? Go ahead and go ahead and download your your glucose meter, and we'll see exactly when those occurred. If you were doing them, you shouldn't have a problem with that, right? But it wasn't it wasn't happening. So there were there were several other things. Oh, she she didn't want me to make only the party shall make medical decisions for the children, mm-hmm. which step parents can. Uh, be included to receive this information, but they cannot be a part of the decision-making process, which is fine. My husband and I will discuss it and then he will make his decision. Right. You know, that's okay. You're, you're right. So we, we have this whole mediation agreement and I want to say that we were actually three weeks into the mediation agreement when she had basically violated every point of it. Mm-hmm. She had violated every point of the mediation agreement by the time we were about three weeks in. Wow. And we have an entire, I have, we have a five inch binder full of just all of the things. And basically what we did was we went through and we made an index and relevant dates so that you could kind of see in that, so that the judge could kind of get a condensed version of everything that was in here. But then behind that, was all of the proof backing up whatever claim it was we were making at that point. Right. And then we had a list of all of the mediation violations. And basically for her age, her doctors recommend that she be in range, which is the pediatric range is 70 to one. Her blood sugar be between 70 and 180. Mm-hmm. That she be in range 70% of the time. And we have a list of dates from the date of mediation until the day before we went to court and the overall averages, she was 81% in range while with us on our dates. And uh, the average with mom was 45%. 
And there's a big gap there. That's a big discrepancy. But it, you know, she had never been below the doctor's goal of 70% while with us. She had never reached the goal of 70% while she was with mom ever Mm -hmm. in at, on, at any point. And when we went to court, you know, my husband was very nervous because he, he remembers the first time that he went to court and it was right before they finalized the divorce and his attorney at the time, not our current attorney, his attorney at the time said, well, what is it that you want? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, what do you mean? What do I want? I want, I want 50, 50, like these are half my kids. And his attorney looked at him and said, well, (laughs) you know, we can try, but you're just the dad. (sighs) And as soon as I heard that, that immediately set me on fire. Immediately. I was immediately angry because my husband is a good man. He's a great husband. He's an even better father. He is the father that I wish my oldest had for any part of her life growing up. Mm -hmm. I, I know what you know, a POS dad looks like my kid had one, you know, who was never, ever there ever. That's not my husband in any way, shape or form. He has been there for his kids since the day that they were born. And he always will be. He's a very good dad. He's a very involved dad. So for him to be told, well, (laughs) you know, well, I'll see what I can do, but you know, you're just the dad that has stuck with him this entire time. Like he, he hears that in the back of his mind every time that we have a court hearing, like he replays that mm-hmm. in his head. And I hate that for him, Yeah, but it's only been reinforced pretty much every single time we've ever been to court that just kind of gets reinforced. Well, you're just the dad, you know, you're, <laughs> oh, well, you know, mom, nothing to see here. Mom's not doing anything wrong. Right. But we had all the mediation violations listed. So we had a condensed version and of like all of the mediation violations and the dates they happened on. And then behind that in date order, we had all of our documentation backing it up. We had requested a change of venue and got a special judge in a different county. And when we got this judge, our attorney told us he's very fair. He will hear you, but do not BS him and do not get caught lying by him. Because he will flay you alive. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the, sometimes the, you know, sometimes the truth is crazier than anything you could ever make up. So, you know, that's, there was no, I think on a lot of things, I think we actually downplayed a lot of things. Right. Because the truth is so crazy. But we walk in there with all this. And, and I think the judge had originally given us about 90 minutes for this hearing. And. We got about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes through this hearing. And the judge looked at our attorney and said, what else do you have today? I've got a few other things that, you know, this time and this time, what else do you have today? Because we're not going to be done here, but we will finish this today. Oh, good. Yes. And our attorney said, well, you know, I've, I've got some appointments at my office later on this afternoon. But, um, you know, there's, there's nothing I can't move. Whatever you need to have happen, we'll make it happen. Mm -hmm. And we did. And mom actually showed up without an attorney to this court hearing because she doesn't need an attorney to prove that she's a good mom. 
Right. And our attorney kind of had to scale it back just slightly. Couldn't quite go for her throat the way she wanted to because, mm-hmm. you know, she can't be seen to be picking on her without an attorney. But, you know, she asked her several questions, caught her in several lies. And when it was time for, I was the one who actually attended her endocrinology appointment in June. My husband wasn't able to go because mom gave him about a week's notice and he can't just switch his schedule Mm -hmm. just on a dime with his employer. My employer though, I can pretty much come and go and and do what I want and tell them, Oh, well, Hey, I got something I got going on today. I'll, I'll make my time up and that'll be that. My work schedule is very flexible. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll leave the house at 5.00 AM to drive up here and and make it to her 9 a.m. endocrinology appointment. And I sure did. Mm-hmm. And we went there and, and you know, the endocrinologist was trying to tell mom several things about how things needed to happen. And mom didn't want to hear it. She was going to do what she wanted to do. But when it was time for our attorney to question me to ask me about this endocrinology appointment, she did. I answered all of her questions. And then mom was allowed to ask me some questions. And she started with kind of a rant. Haven't we always been told that it's just impossible to keep her in these ranges? It's just impossible to keep her at these numbers. It's, it's impossible. You just can't do it. It's, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, 90 seconds. I mean, I counted. It was a long time. You don't realize how long 90 seconds is until you're sitting up there. Yes. Um, but, but I kind of waited for her to finish. And, and then I just looked at her and, and said, I'm sorry, was that a question? Because she's only supposed to be asking questions. My husband at this point coughs and cannot look at me. He he was taking he was taking notes on everything. And at one point he was bent so far over the piece of paper he was taking notes on that I think his nose was touching it because he cannot look at me. He knows he's gonna just burst out laughing at this point. Mm-hmm. Our our attorney is kind of looking at me with a yep, keep going. And she said, Yes, that was a question. And I said, that's okay. Can you repeat that for me? And and she said, well, haven't we just always been told it's impossible to keep her in these ranges? I said, absolutely not. At no point have we ever been told that it is impossible to keep her within these ranges by her doctors. And she said, well, isn't it very, very difficult to do this? You can't keep her in these ranges all the time. And I said, her condition is manageable. If you manage it, that's why the guy said, you're absolutely right. She cannot keep, well, you cannot keep her perfectly straight and steady and in range a hundred percent of the time. That's why the goal is 70. Mm-hmm. And she, she just sat down and didn't say another word. And our attorney said, did you have any more questions? No. And she, she was very standoffish in court. Just very, she was very standoffish and not just with us, with the judge as well, which he did not take kindly to. Mm-hmm. Like the judge then was asked me a couple questions and he said, what did you mean? She's manageable if you manage her. Great question, your honor. I'd love to tell you. I said, this is not a case of her specifically being a difficult diabetic to manage because there are absolutely people with diabetes who are as individuals, very difficult, if not impossible to manage, but that's not the case here. She is manageable if you manage her. And that's why you have this huge discrepancy between the in-range times in both of our homes. That's why she's in range 81% with us and 45% with mom. 
if it was a case of her specifically being a difficult diabetic to manage, we would be experiencing the same problems. We would be having the same issues. Those numbers would be much, much closer together Mm -hmm. because we would both be struggling. Right. It wouldn't be a struggle on one side and the other side, you know, we're doing okay. And you can almost see a light bulb go on over his head when I said that. And it wasn't until a couple of days after that court hearing, when we were talking to my dad and telling him about how this, you know, kind of how everything went down, that my my husband and I were sitting in bed, you know, I had, I had it on speakerphone and my husband reached over and he punched me in the arm. And I was like, what the hell? What? He said, that judge, he didn't ask enough questions. And I said, what do you, honey, what do you mean? Like, he asked all the questions. Yes, he did. And he said, no, he asked really thoughtful, really intelligent questions, but they were not basic questions. They were not questions that you and I get from people who know nothing about type one diabetes. And I started really thinking about it and he was absolutely right. These were not questions that we get on an an everyday almost basis from people who have never, ever dealt with diabetes, uh, specifically type one diabetes. The judge did ask very thoughtful, very intelligent questions, but they were specific questions, questions that if he shouldn't have known if he had known nothing about this. So we had the conversation that this judge either did a hell of a lot of research about type one before he heard our case or somebody in his family has it. Maybe he has a grandkid with it. We're not sure, but it's, it was, it was clear. Like after we kind of thought about it, that no, these, these questions, the questions he asked were definitely not basic, but Mm -hmm. he went through quite a few things. The judge went through quite a few things, asked tons of questions. And then of course, mom was allowed to talk and she basically, she just said, well, you know, it, she's at school and she's not with me and this is hard. And this is, it it was literally just blaming every, every, there was no responsibility on her part for, for anything. And I think that the, I think that really irritated the judge that she just did not take any responsibility for anything. So before he made his ruling, he said, I cannot ignore the mountain of evidence that dad has provided here today that shows that her condition is not being managed while she's in your care. Mm -hmm. I also cannot ignore the mountain of evidence provided by dad that he is able to manage her medical condition while she's with him. He said, I cannot in good conscience leave either of these two children with you primarily because something's going to happen. And I cannot have that on my conscience. And he even made mention of the way that we split summers because previously what it had always been is my husband would take a month and mom would take a month. And, you know, like it, it generally was her getting June and us getting July. And the judge said, looking ahead to next summer, this will not happen next summer. I don't care how you have to rework this, whether it's week on, week off. She will not be in her mother's care for a month. That's too long. 
Mm-hmm. And thank God. So um, we're still not quite sure how we're going to do summers yet. I guess we'll get that figured out when it's a little bit closer to the to the time to be picking that since we just finished this summer. Right. But the judge gave her actually less time than what my husband currently has, which currently he had three weekends a month, the first, third, and fourth weekend, and then every three-day weekend from school, and then holidays and summers according to the parenting time guidelines. He gave her every other weekend, and then holidays per the parenting time guidelines. That was it. Has anybody asked her why she won't do what she's supposed to? I mean, she thinks she's not doing anything wrong. She doesn't understand the severity of it. She doesn't. She does not understand. And and I actually told the, the judge when our attorney got done, she got to come back, kind of question me at the very end. And our attorney said, is there anything else that you want to tell the court? And I said, actually, there is. I said, I've been a mom for a long time, a very long time. And the hardest thing that I have ever had a child say to me is, I don't feel sick today. (sighs) And I have had this child tell me numerous times when she wakes up in the morning after she's been with us for 24 plus hours and she's been in good range. I have had this child wake up and tell me, I don't feel sick today. I said, and as a mom, that is hands down the hardest thing I have ever heard from any one of my kids ever. And the judge really heard that when I said that. Yeah. Because that, I mean, it is that, that there have been times where that child has said that to me and I have had to walk away because I don't want to cry in front of her. Right. And that, that breaks my mom heart. I have shown more care and compassion to stray animals than what it seems like this child is getting at times with the person who birthed her. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. That's hard for me to, to sit and watch. Right. And it's, you know, it, it kills my husband. I don't think that that man and I have slept a full night for a week straight since this child has been diagnosed because she hadn't been with us. Right. And it's, it's been very, very difficult. And when, you know, when the judge made his ruling and, and said that, you know, that he would end up getting primary custody, I thought my husband was going to have a heart attack because again, he walked in there in the back of his mind. Well, you're just the dad. Like he does at every other thing. And that is the second time I have ever seen my husband cry. And he is a good old country boy. He is a man's man. He is bearded and tattooed and he's just, he's a country boy. And that man could snap his leg into rub some dirt on it and walk it off. Wouldn't shed a tear. You wouldn't hear him sniffle. Right. You know, the, the, the man is, you know, is a combat veteran does not cry. And I watched him break down and cry after we walked out of that courtroom. Right. Because he felt like his kids were going to be safe. Yeah. That's horrible. It is. It's, this is the hardest thing I have ever had to do, ever. You mentioned earlier, you have to wait till something happens. You hear until yes. something happens. Mm-hmm. And I said, I hate that phrase. I do. I do. Why do you have to wait till something happens? You have to wait till the child dies? 
or you have to wait until the child is in a diabetic coma or hospitalized. Yes. And actually she had been to, she had been, she was not admitted, but had been taken to the ER three separate times while with her mom for very, very high blood sugar Mm -hmm. and nothing happened. And we waited for something to happen. Something happened. She had to go to the hospital, but then nothing happened. Nobody did anything. Right. So at what point, you know, we, we waited, something happened just like we knew it would. And, and here we are. Yeah. The girls will make the transition to our house in October, actually over fall break. The judge wanted to wait for a school break because both of the girls are in school. They're in first and third grade. Mm-hmm. And Labor Day weekend would have kind of been perfect had it not just happened. Like court was last Monday. And then of course we just had late and then Labor Day was this weekend. He wanted to give them a little bit more time to kind of be prepared to make this transition. And both of the girls, we were so worried about what mom was going to be saying to them kind of all week because we just got them on Friday, but we were, we were prepared to do damage control. Mom actually did not tell them anything about making the transition to our house. I was getting ready to ask you that. Oh, we were so scared that that was going to happen. We were just, we were so upset about that because we said, well, you know, she's going to have, she's going to have all week to be filling their heads with who knows what, but she actually had not said anything to the kids. And we were, we were grateful for that because we got to tell them and they, they're so excited. They are so excited. The eight-year-old actually asked me, well, asked us on Saturday night because we were we were just finishing. We were sitting at the kitchen table. We had just finished dinner. The eight-year-old asked us on Saturday night, well, why do I have to wait until October? Why can't I just stay here and start school on Tuesday? Oh. And I'm like, baby girl, I wish you could. <laughs> Trust me, I wish you could. I I want that too. Yeah. But with us, you know, with us living so far apart and of course, mom has, her, mom has kind of lost her mind in text messages these last few days. Just yesterday, she sent my husband something about, let me know when the last time is you're going to pick up the six-year-old's prescriptions from the pharmacy because I'm going to switch them, you know, to a pharmacy that's closer to us. Mm-hmm. So it's more convenient. And she texted back and said, what gives you the right to think that you can switch her prescriptions? No, you're not switching her prescriptions. And he said, <laughs> what? I'm the one picking them up. I, oh, yeah. Oh, it gets better. I'm the one picking them up. I'm the one paying for them. Yes, I will move them to somewhere that is convenient for me to, to make that happen. And she was like, well, I don't agree with that. And he's like, well, that's okay. Noted. And then she said, you know, it also doesn't say anything in this court order about them having to switch schools, just that they would reside with you. Ma'am, we live two and a half hours apart. What did you just say? Right. No, they will go to school where, where they live. She said, well, you haven't given me any options about what school they would attend. Well, that's because there's one. The one that we mentioned in court, the one that we sent you an email with the school's information on it. There's, there's one. Well, how do we know that that's the best school for them? Well, that's the public school. Your $9 a week in child support is not going to accommodate us sending them to a private school, unfortunately. So this is our option. You don't have to like it. Yeah, that was the other thing. She was ordered to pay $9 a week in child support. How much? $9 per week for two children. How? 
Oh, I don't know how. Does she work? No, she doesn't. Uh, I'm assuming her husband is going to pay it. She actually just had another, she had a baby in May and quit her job before the baby was born and apparently isn't planning on going back to work. So I guess her husband is going to be paying us $9 a week in child support. We don't, we fully don't expect to ever see any of that. <laughs> that that's not going to happen. Right. Well, don't give me numbers. Does your husband make a bunch of money or something? No, we are, we are comfortably middle class and, and that's about it. No. And he works very hard. He actually, he does, his job requires physical labor. I mean, it's, he's, he's a hardworking man. It's because she doesn't work. And when she did, she was working part-time and making barely more than minimum wage. Oh, wow. So, yeah. But it's fine. Honestly, like it's, we could care less about child support at all. We fully don't expect to get it. And if, you know, if the girls save up for a couple weeks, they can each get their own happy meal from McDonald's. Right. But, you know, I mean, well, girls, y'all are, y'all get $4.50 each per week. Y'all better make it last. That's not a lot of ramen noodles. You're going to have to pick which nights you want to eat. But it's it's just, it's ludicrous that he had to pay quite a bit more in child support when when it was on him to to pay child support. But with him having the majority of the time, oh, they also switched it so that we are now carrying insurance again on the girls. We never stopped carrying insurance on them. We've had them on insurance the entire time because we couldn't trust her to do it. When she asked in mediation in February that she wanted to be the one to get insurance on them, she actually didn't get insurance for them until the middle of July. So, you know, it was a good thing that we never took them off of either of our insurance policies. Wow. Yeah. And and we had no intentions of removing them from our insurance policies at all because we knew that this would be a problem. And the little one especially has got to have insurance. So a vial of insulin without insurance is around $1,100. So wow. there is no, yeah, there is no possible way we could not have insurance. Yeah. So he is required to carry the insurance. He is required to pay the first $800-ish in unreimbursed medical. And then he is responsible for 77% after that $800. So she pays 23% of unreimbursed medical after $800 and $9 a week in child support. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. For a child with a medical condition that requires supplies and medicines and things like that. So, right. yeah. Yep. Which is fine. Again, we would have Right. You just yeah. want to make sure the kid's taken care of, that's, no matter what the cost. That is all we care Yeah, that's all we care about. We would have been fine. I, I told him at one point, I said, I think I would have been okay with you still having to pay her child support as long as the kids were here and we knew they were safe. Yes. I mean, the $9 a week, girl, y'all better go to Cancun or something. Right. Listen, I will, I will try not to spend it all in one place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely ration that out. And I tell you what, with them being six and eight, I bet if I start saving now and don't spend a nickel of it, I might be able to afford one of their formal dresses by the time they're ready for high school. You're right. 
I might, I might could. Those are so, goals, yeah. girl. Those are goals. That, right. Right. That's, I will work diligently to save for that because I'm remembering when, you know, of course my, my oldest is 22. And by the time we were done with high school, she probably had five or six formal dresses between military, you know, military balls. And mm-hmm. let's see, we had prom, we had two proms, we had two homecomings. Yeah. So yeah, so she had six dresses, two military balls, two proms, two homecomings. So yeah, she had six formal dresses. Of course, she can't wear the same dress twice, you know, that's, so six formal dresses, and that was, I think, the cheapest one might have been just under four hundred bucks. <laughs> wow! So yeah, but we'll make sure that the girls have everything that that they need, and they they pretty they get most of what they want now. So <laughs> right, but we'll that's that's all we care about. And I have I have never been so proud of my husband. Never. There was a time where he actually had to go to one court hearing. We were we were engaged, but we weren't married yet. And he had a court hearing that was a Zoom hearing. And I've I've always worked from home long before COVID, but this was right during the height of COVID. And he had a Zoom hearing because she filed contempt of court on him for some nonsense um, that was that ended up being thrown out. But between mom, her attorney. And the judge, it was kind of, it it was definitely the three of them against my husband. He didn't have, he was only informed a week beforehand. His his attorney that had handled the divorce ended up taking a medical leave of absence Mm -hmm. and he wasn't notified of anything. He wasn't notified that there was a court hearing. So he found out less than a week, I think, before that court hearing and did not have time to hire another attorney. And we were, again, engaged, but not married yet. and. I had to, his computer was set up in the office, in my office, and that's where he had the Zoom hearing. And the way that her attorney and the judge just drug him, that broke my heart. And I said, I told him at that point, I said, I I do not care what it takes. I don't care if I have to, you know, I, I don't care if we have to take out a home equity loan for this house. Or if one of us has to sell a kidney, you will never walk into a courtroom for anything regarding the kids ever again, unrepresented, ever. Mm-hmm. Because I will I will never watch that happen to you again, ever. Right. Her mom's husband did not show up to the court hearing on mon- last Monday. She He didn't come. And that was a big surprise to me because... Even if he wasn't speaking or anything, I mean, and I I told my husband, I said, regardless of whether, I mean, I knew I was going to testify when I got there, but whether I was going to testify or not, you would have never walked in there alone and felt alone. Like I was not there and was not, you know, did not have your back the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, there, the, these, this man and these kids this is a hill I will die on next to this man. Right. Because it's crazy. If I had not seen what I have seen over the last 19 months since this child has been diagnosed, I wouldn't believe it. Right. I would not believe these things if I had not seen them because I would, I'm a mom as, as a mom, I think no way. There's no way that a mom's not doing everything that she possibly can 
to take the best care of her children. And, you know, as a mom, we, we don't always get it right, but we're, we always try, Mm -hmm. you know, no mom is perfect all the time, but we, we always try. And I just, if I, if I did not see it with my, if I wasn't seeing it every day, if I was not living it, I would not believe any bit of this. Right. So you have been through a lot. A whole lot. What advice would you give someone that is going through something similar, maybe not the diabetic part, but maybe just for fear of their safety in one way or another? What advice would you give that person? Document, document, document. That do not allow... you always document everything, but what you do not want to have happen, do not let this consume your marriage. My husband and I have been very, very diligent about that. We have not let this consume our marriage because if we did, if we were not as strong as we were, as we are in our marriage, this could have very easily broken our marriage. Yes. Because I could have, I could have said, I can't watch this. I can't see this happening. I'm able to walk away. These aren't my kids. I, they are. They are. I, I mm-hmm. love these babies more than life. But I could have just walked away and said, this isn't for me. I don't want to do this. If we had allowed it to, this would have ruined our marriage. We set aside a time, you know, every couple of days to just rant at each other about whatever the nonsense is that's going on. Mm -hmm. And then we move on from it and then we let it like we have to, we have got to let it go. Right. We, we ran at each other and and we will yell at each other. And I, it's, we can laugh about this now. We can laugh about it now. At the time I told him this, I was dead serious though. I said, and this was after like one particular incident with the youngest, with her diabetes. Of course, I feel like it's, I feel like our whole lives sometimes are, are focused on that. And I hate that for my other kids. Yeah. Because I, I feel like I'm so we're so consumed with worrying about the littlest one that I'm not worrying enough about you know the eight year old or I'm not right. worried enough about the the oldest one and 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 the grandbabies and yep you know and then I feel and then you have all the mom guilt because you know I'm I feel like I'm only worried about this one but this conversation that I had with my husband it was after she did something just just really 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 dumb right and I said honey this woman is dumb as a bag of hammers. And he's like, I know. And I said, well, hang on, I'm not done. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, he was like, oh, okay. Okay. I said, she's dumb as a bag of hammers, but you married her. And then you made two small humans with her. So now I'm worried that you might be dumb too. But yeah, I said, I said, but you, I said, but you married her and 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 you decided to make two small humans with her. So I'm I'm worried that you might be dumb, but then I turned around and married your dumb ass. <laughs> so am I stupid too and don't know it? Is this something that, that nobody's telling me on purpose? <laughs> and, and again, we can laugh about it now, but I was so serious when I told him that I really was, I was, and he, he just burst out laughing when I told him and I was like, well, I know you're laughing, honey, but I'm, I was serious there. I, I was, I, I'm, these are things I think about. I was. I was mathing it out in my mind, honey, and this is where I got. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I was like, "Well, if two and two are four, then uh, shit, I might be dumb too." <laughs> like, you know, 
was like, that's, you know, math is not, I, I, I'm not a mathematician, but this is where I got with it. Can you check my work? Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, he's, he's very, we, we are very, we, we roast each other constantly. That is, that is important that if you cannot laugh with your spouse, just leave, just yes. be done. Yes. Just leave. I mean, because we, we will, we will just roast the hell out of each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love it. And we have even, even the kids at this point, like, I don't ever worry about like bullies with our children in school because my God, these kids have been able to clap back since they could walk. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I've had people we're, we're, message me that are on our Q and a calls and they'll say something to the effect of, did that hurt your feelings when David said that? And I'm thinking that was tame. You have no right, idea like was, how we right, crack this, on each that, other. That was mild. Yes. Yeah. That was, he, he's going to have to come at me with something harder than that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy, but it, yeah, if you do not let a crazy baby mama just consume your marriage because it can, and it will, it's, we, we laugh about the, the crazy things that she says. And it took him a long time. Both of, I also grew up in a blended family. Mm-hmm. My parents got divorced when I was in the third grade, I believe. And thank God that text messages and email were really not, a, text messages weren't a thing at all. Email was barely a thing because my parents were two of the most high conflict people with each other. Maybe ever. I don't want to say maybe ever. Cause I, I have not met everybody on earth, <laughs> but they got to be top five. Yeah. They, they, they have got to be top five. And I, I've told my husband, I'm like, this makes y'all, my parents make y'all look like amateurs. Y'all, y'all are amateurs at this. Trust me. And, you know, I have told him with every single text response that he has, every email, every, everything, babe, before you hit send on that, you make sure that you like those words enough to explain them to a judge in open court. Yes. Because someday you will have to. So you, you make sure that you are, that you really like those words before you hit sin. Mm-hmm. And that really hit home with him. It also like, it was, it was kind of twofold the way that it worked out where it was, it was a good thing because all of his messages read like he's a calm, reasonable, rational human being where mm-hmm. he'll vent to me, but to, you know, but in these text messages, he just looks like a calm and rational person, mm-hmm. but it also just pisses her off. Right. So she will just completely lose her mind because she knows exactly how to get to him or used to, mm-hmm. you know, she knows exactly how to get under his skin. And I said, stop letting her do it. Just stop letting her. I said, do you see what happens here? There was one particular incident with the kid's pediatrician when she moved three hours away. She refused to give him the name of the pediatrician. And she kind of, she went off on this little tangent and started talking about a bunch of other things in this text message. And she kind of got him going down this rabbit hole to the point where he was pissed off and he was just done. He wasn't going to respond anymore at all. Mm -hmm. And I said, hang on though, honey. I said, stop and look at this real quick. Look at what she did here. I said, you asked her a specific question. She came at you with about five different things and got you all going off on this whole tangent over here. Now you're pissed off and you're just done talking about the whole thing. And she still didn't answer your question. Mm-hmm. That was a legitimate question that you have every right to know, hey, what pediatrician do you plan on taking them to for their well checks? 
Right. You had every right to know that. Mm-hmm. I said, but she got you going down this rabbit hole and now you're done. And she still didn't have to answer the question. And I said, so we're going to use some work words here. That is my, that is my thing. I, we always have to use our, we got to use our work words with baby mama mm-hmm. so that we don't get in trouble for anything. I said, what you need to say is so circling back, are you going to let me know which doctor you plan on taking them to? And she never answered. And we didn't, and and we didn't expect her to. Mm-hmm. I said, but now you have this text message showing that, you know, you're, you've asked this question twice and she's refusing to answer. Now, whether she said, I'm not telling you or whether she just didn't answer it, either way, the result was the same. You didn't get the answer. And that's mm-hmm. not, not co-parenting. You have joint legal custody. Right. So he's like, and I think at that point was really when he was like, huh, she might know kind of what she's talking about a little bit. Yes, mm-hmm. because I saw my parents and they were crazy. They were crazy. If text messages had been a thing when when my parents got divorced, the entire world would have burned. Right. So yeah, it's it's I, I think part of that too is like is growing up in a blended family for me also. My dad, he's he's actually my stepdad. He's but he's been more dad than step for 30 years at this point. And he's actually the only parent that I have left living. So that's, he's, he's my dad. He's been my dad for a very long time. Um, the oldest grandbaby is actually, he and my, he and my daughter are so close. The oldest grandbaby is actually named for him. Oh, yes. They are very, it, that might've been the second time I've ever seen my dad cry is when the, the big kids, my daughter and my son-in-law told them what, what the grand, what the grandbaby's name would be. So the grandbaby's middle name is, is my dad's name. Oh, I love that. Yes, it was, it was, and I think there were only two tears, like he sucked it up pretty fast, but, but they're, they were there. I saw them. (laughs) That happened. Mm -hmm. I was a very difficult teenager. Oh God, I was awful. And I did everything that I possibly could to, to push my dad away. And he never let me, he wouldn't allow it. And my dad is, is there for me has been there for me every day since he's been around and he will be until he no longer is around. He's that's my dad. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that was my dad's wife. She has a different name. It's not stepmom though. And it's not endearing, <laughs> but she, you know, the, the flip side was, was my dad's wife and my biological dad's wife. And she made it very clear from very early on that my sister and I were unwelcome guests in mm-hmm. their home, that we were not wanted. We were not welcome. She didn't appreciate us having to be there. She actually, at one point she made a cake for my birthday and she made it with almonds, which I'm allergic to. Uh Oh, and I'm allergic. I'm allergic to, uh, I'm allergic to everything. I'm allergic to be- uh, bees, peanuts, tree nuts, almonds, just all the things now, coconut. She made this cake with almonds and coconut and I refused to eat it. And she got so angry about that, that I wouldn't eat it. And I was like, I'm allergic to, like, I can't eat this. And she actually ended up like making me eat it. And my dad just kind of stood there and watched her do it. And I, I don't have like, severe, severe allergic reactions. I will get really bad hives and I will, it's not like, it's not like eating with bees, bee stings. I will be an anaphylaxis, but with, with that kind of thing, I will just, I'll get hives. I'll be very itchy. 
Mm-hmm. Occasionally I'll have kind of like a swollen throat, but it's not as serious as she's going to die. But he made me eat this cake because it was rude to not eat it. And I'm like, dad, it's got almonds and coconut in it. Like, I can't eat that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, just do it so that she's not pissed off the rest of the night. And I went home and my mom lost her mind. And she was like, are you really kidding right now? Like you let your wife force our kid to eat something that you know, she's allergic to, you know, she's allergic to, well, she can did. She took, she can just take a couple Benadryls. It's not a big deal. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it, it was at that point that I was done with my dad's wife completely. Mm-hmm. But I have been on both extremes of that. You know, my dad's wife taught me, not that I went out looking to be part of a blended family, um, but, you know, it, it kind of is what it is these days, Every, you know, that you get to a certain age and, and that's that's what it is. You know, people have kids, people have lives before you, and this is what it is. But she definitely, my, my dad's wife definitely taught me what I never wanted to be as a step parent. Right. And my dad taught me what it meant to love a kid that's not biologically yours. Right. And both of those were very, very important lessons. Yes, very important. Well, thank you again for sharing your story with us. And I know that it's going to help some of our listeners. I hope so. This has been a very, very hard journey, but this is absolutely a hill that I will die on next to my husband for, you know, the health and safety of, Mm -hmm. you know, of my bonus kids. Right. Right. Well, keep in touch and let us know how things go. Absolutely. I will. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So I had a lady reach out to me a few days ago and it touched my heart. She said, thank you for all that you and David do, especially you, Lori. She didn't say that last part. I added that. (laughs) I've been Mm -hmm. listening to to you guys for a few days, but I have already learned so much and found a new sense of hope. You both are truly a blessing in this world. Keep on keeping on. We shall. Thank you for the kind words. It really does mean a lot. You have no idea how much it means truly. Mm -hmm. All right. So... Also, if you're interested in being a guest on the Nacho Kids podcast, shoot us an email at Lori, and that's L-O-R-I, at nachokids.com. I'll do it. I'll shoot you an email. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I need David to be a guest on our podcast. (laughs) Also, if you entered to win the free Nacho mini book, Christine H., you are the winner. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Check your email, and we will get you your mini book, girl. Shoot. Shoot, yeah. That's like, you know, like hold it in my hand kind of mini book. That's a cute little mini book. <laughs> and I worked hard on that mini book for it to be so mini. <laughs> we have many of the mini books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess that's it, folks, unless David's got something to say before he gets tomatoes thrown at him. Uh, no, um, other than, let's see, when is this releasing again? October the 7th. 7th. Okay. So this is the last time we have a podcast before our 13th anniversary. Happy anniversary, honey. Thank you.
<laughs> Don't sound so excited. <laughs> well, isn't 13 an unlucky number? For most people, but not for me. Okay. You got to remember, nobody's made it to this. <laughs> You're in uncharted territory. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, happy anniversary, David. Happy anniversary. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm so proud of you for sticking around this long. <laughs> I'm proud of myself. <laughs> you should be. Remember, folks, every day you survive the blend is a day to celebrate. Yep. So let's go celebrate. Okay, but we can't go anywhere because I got those puppies. It's all right. We can have a tomato sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> With the rotten tomatoes. <laughs> and y'all just remember how bad of a place David and I were in 10 years ago. Well, probably 11 years ago. It was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember that you, too, can be happy in the blend. Mm-hmm. It's not by the wave of a magic wand. Nope. It ain't easy. It takes a lot of work. Unfortunately, <laughs> if you're like us, by the time you get to the part where you're trying to really, really get help, you've, you've caused a lot of pain and hurt. Yes. And so it takes a, a long time to heal and to prove to the people around you that things have changed. Uh, it, it's Well, and not that we were trying to prove it to anybody else, but prove it within the family, within our blend. Yeah, well, I think even to a degree you're trying to prove it to other people, only to say to them, you know, that this is, this is going to stick. Like, this is we're not doing the same thing we've always done. You know, internally you say to yourself— like starting today, you know, this is going to be a new, we're turning over a new leaf. But other people are looking at you going, yeah, but for the past three years, it's not been that way. So I don't, you know. So are you talking about your parents and your sister? No, I'm talking about even with other people. Like haven't, haven't people told you like, okay, I'll never, that'll never happen again. From, from here on out, X, Y, Z. And you're like, yeah, whatever. It takes a couple of times for them to actually follow through before you go, okay, maybe they actually are going to stick to this. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, maybe you haven't, but it happens to me a lot. Well, probably, but I just never related that to someone nachoing. I, I do, because you think about all the things that people are doing, that they're doing incorrectly, or it's causing somebody else pain. To come up and say, starting today, it's going to be different. Most people will just look at that and go, okay, it's just words. I need actions. I need you to show me in your actions that things are changing. Things are going to change. Things are going to be different. I love it when I speak to someone and they say, my husband really wasn't on board with this whole nacho thing, or my wife wasn't really on board with this whole nacho thing, but they could not deny how much it helped our blend once I started doing it. Mm-hmm. Or like one lady said recently, she goes, my husband wasn't really on board with it. <laughs> then he watched the video in the Academy and said, oh, now it all makes sense. I'm always afraid when they say, and my husband watched that video David did. <laughs> <laughs> I always hold my breath like. <gasps> yeah, but I know that the woman watched it first. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we say, don't watch this, women, it's for the men only, which really we need to change that. No, we need I like to say, it because you know they're going to watch it. No, but we need to say, don't watch this if you're the step-parent. Because it does apply to women that are the bio-parents as well. Oh, okay. Whatever you want to do, darling. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I confused myself. So y'all have a good day now. 
All right. We'll see you next week. Remember, life is good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.